Uh, the title of my message is called The Sweet Spot, and I'll explain a little bit about what that means here uh, in a bit. But first, I want to tell you a dream that will kind of help set up the big idea of what we're talking about today. Um, on September 17th, so a little over a month ago, I had a dream, and in the dream, I was standing right here, and I was preaching on a Sunday morning to, to, to all y'all, and in the dream, I was saying to the audience, I was saying, the Lord has given me three words that you need to know for the times and the season that we are in. And in the dream, it felt, I would say it felt like it was early December. And so in this dream, I, had, I said, we're going to talk today about the three R's. And so the first R is rest. And everybody in the audience was writing down rest. And then I preached on rest for a little while. And then I said, the second R is warfare. <laughs> Some of you are like, Daniel, let's not start the letter R. <laughs> it's my dream. I don't know what to say. I can't even get it right in my dream. <laughs> Pastor Tim, he goes and, you know, he's always got the three C's or whatever, you know, like all this alliteration, and I can't even get it right in my sleep. But, <laughs> but anyway, so the, the second word was warfare. And then I preached on warfare and, and, and rest and kind of navigating those two and that sort of thing. And then I went and I said, everybody stand up. And you know, I went to land the plane and end the sermon. And all of you were like, what's the third R? And I was like, oh, I forgot. And I go, it's worship. I know, I know, I don't know, I don't know what to say, I don't know what to say. So then, so then the sermon ended in my dream, and everybody did, you know, did what you typically do after a service, some mingle, some take off, but in the dream, I was talking to some people, and I realized, I, I only used one R, and I felt insecure even in my sleep, <laughs> and I said to somebody, I can't remember, what was the third R? And they go, it was worship. And then I did a few more things, and then I woke up wide awake knowing that this was totally a God dream. And I woke up, but I can only remember the first two. And I was like, oh no. And so I literally laid there for 15 minutes in the middle of the night, just crying out to God, like, God, if you tell me what this is, I will not forget it. If you tell me what it is, Please tell me, what was the third R, or third word? And as I was laying there, I'm pretty sure I felt like the Lord say, it's worship. So the first two, I'm like 100% sure. The third one, I'm mostly sure that that was what God is saying in this season. And so the big idea is that there are three words for the season that we are in. And I believe, if I, based off of the dream, that it will continue through the end of this year. It may continue into the new year, but I know it's going to especially pertain from now through the end of the year, which are rest, warfare, and worship. And when I woke up from the dream, the sense that really conveyed what I felt, the emotion of it, was the story of Jesus sleeping on the boat. Jesus and his disciples were in a storm. And while they were in the storm, these fishermen who were experienced sailors 
were very afraid and they thought they were not going to make it. They thought they were going to die. And somehow, Jesus is sleeping in the boat. I have no idea how the water splashing on his face was not waking him up. Or how the wind or who, you know, who only knows all the noises and the dynamics. But Jesus is so at rest, for some reason, he has perfect peace while everybody around him is anxious and they're worried and they don't know what to do and they've lost hopelessness. That was the sense that I got, was that in this time and in this season, the Lord's way of waging war was to not fall into anxiety, but rather to enter into his place of trust and rest. And so later that very same day, we had a birthday party for my youngest son, Titus, and we had um, some uh, family and some people over for his birthday party, and I was with some of the adults, and I began to tell them my dream that I had had that night. And Michonne, my mother-in-law, was there, and she said, and she made reference that the three R's is reading, writing, and arithmetic. And I was like, that's a thing? Like, that's real. She goes, yes, it is a real thing. Like, the three R's are reading, writing, and arithmetic. And I said, well, they all don't start with the letter R either. <laughs> and I've talked to people, including, like, a math teacher. I'm like, the reading, writing, and arithmetic, the three R's, is actually a thing. And so when I realized that that is actually a thing, I was like, God, you're hilarious. Because God speaks to me through puns. And what he was saying in the dream was, you're going to school. Some of you are like, oh, that is not a good prophetic word. We don't want to go to school. Because first you get taught, then you have to practice, and then you get tested. And you do that cycle over and over until you pass. And so, I believe when you put it all together, the Lord is very clearly saying, I believe specifically to Abundant Life Fellowship because in the dream, I was talking to Abundant Life Fellowship. But I have had a series of dreams and encounters with God this year. And I personally think that it may apply to more than just our local congregation. I could be wrong. Also, uh, a lot of times we go through our own storms. You know, is it, is it a storm like my children? Is it a storm like my job? Is it a storm like my health or depression and my own sense of thinking and my emotions and the chemicals and there, you know, we all, we all weather our own storms a lot of the time. And I don't know for sure if this word is pertaining to each person's individual circumstance or if it's literally something that pertains to all of us collectively. Like, for example, COVID was one of those things that the entire world experienced the same storm together and a lot of uh, the same emotions. And so, as I, as I talk here today, I want to break down that I believe that we are uh, going to school to learn some big ideas. But the thing is, I want you to see in all of this, is that the Lord has a purpose 
and he has a plan, and he's not saying this to us to discourage us or to scare us, but rather the Lord's training ground for at least the next couple of months, maybe longer, the Lord's training ground is that you and me will be able to sleep at night. That you and me will be able to enjoy our lives when other people are freaking out. That you and I would be able to enjoy God, be full of hope, be full of joy, no matter what we see on the outside. So I want to I start by looking at a verse of scripture in Psalm 57. This is King David talking in Psalm 57, verse 1. But before uh, the, 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 the psalm, there's kind of a little introductory. And it says, to the chief musician, set to, do not destroy. So, I like that. They have a tune for a song called, do not destroy. A mictam of David, which when he fled from Saul into the cave. So the context is David is going through his own storm. David is running for his life. David has a man that hates him, is jealous of him, and wants to kill him. And so David has to run away and hide in a cave. And while he's in the cave, he writes a song. And in verse 1, he says, Be merciful to me, O God. Be merciful to me. For my soul trusts in you. And in the shadow of your wings, I will make my refuge. Until, everybody say until. These calamities have passed by. So David understands something. There is a calamity that has come. And what is David doing until the calamity goes by? Until the storm is over? Well, it says, he starts out by saying, be merciful to me. He's asking God for mercy. But then he, his soul trusts in God. He's putting his trust in God. And then, in the shadow of his wings, he said, I will make my refuge. That is your sweet spot. Now, when it says, in the shadow of your wings, he's talking about the Ark of the Covenant. The Ark of the Covenant was a box where the presence of God would rest on the earth. And so they, they, they designed it and overlaid it with gold, and they put angels over, there were two angels over the top of this ark. And these angels had wings that covered that area. So when he says, in the shadow of your wings, he is talking about the very place of the presence of God. God is here. God is in this place. So he's like, I'm going to come under the shadow. I'm going to come under your covering. I'm going to come under your protection. And I'm going to make my refuge in your presence. There is a place in God where you can be bulletproof. There is a place in God where all fears dissipate. There is a place in God where you can have joy and you can be happy and you can have rest, and you can have clarity of thought, and you can know what to do, because 
when, God's, when you're in God's presence, faith rises up, clarity comes, and things that used to be horrible and humongous now become small and insignificant. And this is the place where David is. And he says, I'm going to hang out in your presence. I'm going to put my trust in you until this calamity has passed by. And so, like I said, I don't know if this means that all of humanity is going to, everyone's going to experience their own little storm, or if there's going to be something on more of a national level. I personally think there is something in store on more of a national level, but I don't know for sure what it is. I want to look at another passage of Scripture. This is in the book of Acts in the New Testament, chapter 27. I'm reading in the New King James Version, if you're wanting to follow along. And I love this passage of Scripture. This passage of Scripture is about the Apostle Paul, and most likely Luke was with him. And they, uh, Paul, Paul, Paul was on trial, and he appealed to Caesar because he was a Roman citizen. So he went with these Roman soldier-type people on a boat, and this boat was going to Rome. And the boat that they took was originally from Alexandria and was carrying wheat. Wheat from Alexandria was like the main hub where Rome was getting its wheat supply. And so this boat is passing through. Paul, uh, uh, soldiers, but also a lot of criminals are on this boat on their way to Rome. And Paul, the Lord has told Paul, Paul, you're going to stand trial before Caesar. You're going to make it there. And so in the time of this story, it is the fall. It's actually October. So we're going to pick it up in verse 8, about a little bit about their, their journey. So, passing it with difficulty, we came to a place called Fair Havens, near the city of Lycia. Now when much time had been spent, and sailing was now dangerous because the fast was already over, Paul advised them, saying, Men, I perceive that this voyage will end with disaster and much loss, not only of the cargo and ship, but also our lives. So Paul is giving a prophetic word in this moment. The prophetic word is, I perceive, I see, that this voyage will end with disaster. Much loss, not just of cargo and ship, but our own lives. He's saying, we're going to lose everything, including our own lives. It's really quiet in here. I'm sorry, I'm not trying to be a downer. I'm sorry. You guys are like, I don't like where this is going. (laughs) What I want you to see here is that, he says, I perceive. Now, I want to talk to you for a moment a little bit about prophetic words. Because in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit was not inside of people. In fact, it was a rare occasion 
for the Holy Spirit to come and be upon a person. But in the Old Testament, when the Holy Spirit would come upon a person, it was an event. And it was noticeable because one minute, Samson's a normal guy. And the next minute, Samson's ridiculously strong. One minute, they're a normal person. The next minute, they start prophesying and speaking for God. It was completely different than it is today under the new covenant. Because we as Christians, the Holy Spirit when it never leaves us. The Holy Spirit comes and lives on the inside of us. And we are now a temple, the temple where the presence of God rests. So it can be difficult sometimes to navigate what is my voice and what is God's voice because my voice and God's voice are actually very much in sync a lot of the time. And so it's not like the Holy Spirit leaves and comes back. I have the Holy Spirit inside of me. And so the Old Testament you would receive revelation. In the New Testament, you perceive revelation. So what that means is that every one of us has the ability, if the Spirit of God is inside of you, to perceive things that you wouldn't know in the natural realm. So it's like your sixth sense, where you can, you know, Picture if, if no one could smell, but all of a sudden you could smell fragrance. You're like, I smell something. I'm on to something. And so what can happen is that a lot of times the scriptures say in 1 Corinthians 13, Paul said it like this, we know in part and we prophesy in part. What does that mean? It means that when God gives a dream, when God gives a vision, when God gives you a mental image in your head, or a subtle impression, or a scripture verse jumps out at you, God is speaking to you and to me. But it's oftentimes perceived, and so you don't always get a clear picture. You sense something's up, but you don't know what. You think something's on the horizon, but you're not 100% sure. And that is why... A lot of people that are Christians are saying, something's on the horizon. Something's going on. And many of you can feel it. You can discern it. You may not see it clearly. You may not even know what it is you're sensing. But there's something inside of you that is picking up. Something's different. Something's going on. I don't know what it is. But in the spirit world, things are not the way they were not too long ago. And so you discern this. And some of you are like, I have no discernment. Well, it's okay. <laughs> we all, we all, we all ha have different levels in the way we discern. And some of us need to learn how we discern because the way you discern is probably not like how I discern. And if that made no sense, just move on. We'll, we'll move, move forward, okay? So what I want you to see here is the Apostle Paul perceives into the spirit realm, getting a word of knowledge, a word of prophecy, and says, you don't want to get on that boat. You don't want to take that trip. You don't want to be there. 
Because if you do that, I, I'm sensing, I'm seeing something, and I believe we're going to lose our lives. Do you know the, the great Apostle Paul actually did not get this prophetic word right? He was mostly right. He was right that they shouldn't get on the ship. He was right that they were going to lose a lot. He was right about the cargo, and he was right about the ship, but there was one stat that mattered that he didn't get right, and that is their lives. And you would say, well, he was like 90% right. Yeah, but that matters to you if you live or die. That matters. So the great apostle Paul gives a prophetic word because he was sensing and discerning in the spirit world. But he did not see everything clearly as it truly was. But he saw most of it. Which causes, uh, which the reason why I say this is it's very important as New Testament believers who do hear and who discern and who perceive, we need to be careful that we don't fill in the gaps for what the Lord has not said. And I am the poster child for this. Because God will give me a dream, God will give me a revelation. God, there's a, I personally think the Lord's revealed a lot of things to me. But over the years, I've thought how that prophetic word was going to pass. I've thought this is how God's going to do what God promised he would do. And then it doesn't happen like I thought it would happen. And so we live in a day and age where you've got some people that think our, fu- our future is so bright and we're on the verge of this and we're on the verge of that. And then you've got other people like, it's the end of the world. The mark of the beast is already in the mail. It's all over. You know what I mean? And, like, and you're like, who's right? And I want to caution you in this. A lot of people are spot on that they're perceiving but they take their own theology and their own belief system about the end of the world and about what they think and what, how they think it's all going to happen. And they start to fill in the gaps. And that is why you have a bunch of people saying a lot of different things, but they're all picking up something. They just don't know what the something is half the time. I don't mean that derogatorily. So Paul is saying, I see some stuff. But this word was mostly accurate, but not 100% accurate. Verse 11, Nevertheless, the centurion was more persuaded by the helmsman and the owner of the ship than by the things spoken by Paul. And because the harbor was not suitable to winter in, the majority advised to set sail from there also, if by any means they could reach Phoenix. I love this part of the Bible. It makes me chuckle every time because... 2,000 years ago, in October, and the weather starting to turn to winter, all these people wanted to go to Phoenix. And here we are, 2,000 years later, and everybody's still wanting to go in the winter down to Phoenix. (laughs) I just think that's funny. (laughs) Phoenix was a harbor of Crete opening toward the southwest and northwest, and they wanted to winter there. Verse 13, when the south wind blew softly, supposing that they had obtained their desire, putting out to sea, they sailed close by Crete. Now, 
I, I love the wording of the New King James in this particular verse. When the south wind started blowing gently, softly, the way they wanted it to blow, they supposed they had obtained their desire. But it was a bad decision. Sometimes, how do we say this? A lot of times when it comes to decision making, we want to go through whatever door is open. And we say to God, God, open them, close them, make it clear. And thankfully, he's done that for me a lot. But sometimes, just because the wind's blowing your way, just because the door is open, doesn't mean you are to walk through it. You need to listen to what the Spirit of the Lord is saying and not just say, well, God, I'm doing what I want. Please stop me. Because our own desires can get in the way. And so they thought God or whoever they believed in was giving them what they wanted. And so they decided to sail close by Crete. Now, Crete is an island, but what's so fascinating to me is the name Crete means flesh or fleshly. So this is what they're saying. We are here, but we want to be here and to get where we want to go, we are going to stay close to what we want. We're going to stay close to the flesh. We're afraid to go out to the sea because we know this is dangerous and not wise. So we're just going to play it safe, but we're going to try to do what we want anyways and stay close to the flesh. But then, while they tried to stay in control, they lost control because... It says in verse 14, But not long after, a tempestuous headwind arose called, I'm not going to even know, try that word, but it's a northeaster, it's a typhoon. So when the ship was caught and could not head into the wind, we let her drive. So we see here that Paul had a prophetic word and said, don't do it. But the people said, no, we want this. Have you ever had or been in a situation where you were taken for a ride because of somebody else's choice? They took you on a trip that you didn't want to be on. And so these people lost control because they were trying to do what they shouldn't be doing. And their choice has affected everyone else, and now they are out at sea, and I'm not going to go into all the story of it, but they are being battered and blown around, and they, they, they just are like a rag doll just being thrown around. And then in verse 20, it says, now when neither sun nor stars appeared for many days, and no small tempest beat on us, all hope that we would be saved, was finally given up. So that means that early on, they had hope. And they had hope. And they fought the wind. And they tried to do this. And they tried to do that. And they just kept believing and kept hoping and keep trying and keep trying and keep striving. But it says here, they saw neither sun nor stars. Now, they didn't have compasses. They had stars to guide them. 
That's how they navigated the journey. So if you can't see the stars, if you can't see the sun for days at a time, you have no idea which way is north. You don't have a clue where you are. And so I want you to think about the imagery of this. No, di- no sun, no stars, no hope. No control, no land, no sense of anything. And now you just, you feel like it's over. You feel like it's over in that, in that moment of the storm. But in verse 21, it says, But after long abstinence from food, then Paul stood in the midst of them and said, Men, you should have listened to me. I'm like, I love that. Good job, Paul. Hey, I want everybody to know, I was right. And, and you should not have sailed from Crete and incurred this disaster and loss. And now I urge you to take heart, for there will be no loss of life among you, but only of the ship. For there stood by me this night an angel of the God to whom I belong and whom I serve, saying, Do not be afraid, Paul. You must be brought before Caesar. And indeed, God has granted you all those who sail with you. Now, the angel shows up and brings Paul a message from God. This is a promise. I have good news for you. You're going to live. I am here You thought you were going to die. You thought that was the prophetic word. But the prophetic word of the Lord is you're going to make it. And here's the thing. When you look at this, he says, God has granted you all who sail with you. The Lord is saying, Paul, you're going to make it. And in my grace, because of you, everyone who is with you is going to get grace. They're going to make it. I believe the Lord is saying, when I read this, I believe the Lord is saying that there are many people that do not deserve His grace that are going to get a lot of it because of the Paul in their life. A lot of people will be protected and saved and rescued because of the grace, the kindness of God. I really believe this. I wish I could put into words the impression that I'm feeling for you right now and for the people. There are people that don't know God. They never heard God. They don't believe in God. And they will be spared because of God's mercy and because of God's grace. And I'm not saying that generically. I'm saying matter-of-factly, concretely. Then he goes on. In verse 25, therefore, take heart, men, for I believe God, that it will be just as it was told me. Now, you understand here, this is the difference between having an appetite and your stomach being in knots. This is the difference between sleeping at night and being utterly exhausted because you've gotten no sleep. This is the difference between having joy and feeling drained. It's that I believe God. It will be just as it was told me. 
When you get a word from God and you believe God, you can stand on the word of God when you don't see anything else. I really believe that if a person does not have the word of God to stand on in the coming hour, I don't know what they're going to do. I don't really know what a person would do in that situation. If you don't have God, you will not have peace. If you are not believing in, trusting in, and with God, you will not weather the storm that is coming. However, verse 26, we must run aground on a certain island. So he's saying, the boat's going to make it. Not, not going to make it, but you will. Verse 33, and as day was about to dawn, Paul implored them all to take food, saying, today is the 14th day you have waited and continued without food and eaten nothing. Therefore, I urge you to take nourishment, for this is for your survival, since not a hair will fall from the head of any of you. I believe that whatever you're facing in this season, in the coming season, you can take heart that you're going to be okay. I, I believe the Lord is giving the answer before the problem. You don't need to lose sleep. You can rest. No matter what, the enemy wants to distract you. He wants you to be anxious. He wants you to lose your appetite. Listen to me. They were on a boat full of wheat. They were on a boat full of food. And the people were not eating. I believe that's the difference in the times and the season that we are in. The Lord provides food that you and I will need. Why did they need the food? Because Paul said, you're about to go swimming. The boat is going down, and you're going to need strength to swim. And if you don't know how to swim, you're going to need the strength to hold on to a piece of wood. Because of that is what we're about to face. So for 14 days, they didn't get the food because they were affected by the storm. And so, in verse 35... And when he had said these things, he took bread and gave thanks to God in the presence of them all. And when he had broken it, he began to eat. Then they were all encouraged and also took food themselves. And in all, we, we were 276 persons on the ship. So when they had eaten enough, they lightened the ship and threw out the wheat into the sea. And I'm not going to be able to go into the rest of the story. You can read it for yourself. But the ship was destroyed and everyone was saved. And they made it into Malta on the beach. You can take that down, Sherry. I want to read a verse out of Psalm 23. Now, Katie already mentioned in worship today this big idea. Psalm 23 is your bread and butter right now. This whole passage is your bread and butter. But I want to look at verse 5 that says, You prepare a table before me in the presence 
of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Now, what's interesting is that that cup of oil is not necessarily for religious purposes like you would anoint somebody in the temple or something. What that uh, refers to is that when, in their culture, when someone would come to someone's house to spend the night or even come over for dinner, it was a custom courtesy to pour oil, like a fragrance or a cologne or a perfume, on them as a lotion, probably for B.O., I'm sure. But, but that was a customary thing of, I, you're my guest. You've come to my house. You're my guest. And I'm going to take care of you. And so, in this context, when it says you prepare a table, it's saying you've been invited over for dinner. Jesus is saying, you are going to school to learn. What are you learning? You're learning how to come to my table and rest. You're coming and you're learning how to eat. You're learning to get the nutrients and the strength that you need to wage warfare. So many times, one of the devil's strategies to keep Christians all out of whack is to distract them, to almost... If you ever been around a Christian where they're just like, the devil's out to get me, the devil's out to get me, he's chasing me, and it's kind of like a big bad devil, you know what I'm saying? Like, where they're just like, I can't take it anymore, I just can't take it anymore, I'm being attacked, and I'm being assaulted, and you're just like, don't give him that much power. Don't let him ruin your day. He wants you to focus on him. But I've been binding, and I've been rebuking, and, and I've been going and casting out, and listen... There is a time and a place for that. But most of the time, we don't wage our warfare by going around, casting, you know, looking under the rock and casting a demon out of our region and territory. The way we oftentimes operate in true spiritual warfare is the devil is right there. And you just say, I had enough of this. I'm going to set my gaze on Jesus. I'm going to spend time with Jesus. And sometimes our prayer lives are full of anxiety, full of worry. And I mean, sometimes we, I think the reason we avoid prayer is because we associate prayer with bringing all our problems to God. I mean, think about this. If your prayer life is only bringing problems to God, it means you're talking to talking about your problems. No wonder you avoid it. I would too. <laughs> There's a time and a place to bring your problems to God. But sometimes you just got to have a good time. Sometimes you just got to love on God and worship God and spend time just enjoying Him and not bringing all the junk into the equation. And so the secret sauce is learning how to navigate in the times and the season that we are in, how to do warfare by coming to the table and just enjoying God and worshiping Him. 
and resting in him. But Daniel, what about this problem? Listen, you can't solve it and you can't fix it. You can't change the clouds. You can't reveal the stars. You can't move this boat. You can't change her. You can't stop him. And you sure as heck can't fix that. So what can you do? Come to the table. Just come to the table. You'll be a happier person. And people are going to be like, how are you so joyful? You're delusional. Like, yes, apparently I am delusional. I want to go to Psalm 57 and land this plane. Katie, would you be able to come up here and... Are you, are you, you are able to play, right? Okay. <laughs> I know you were singing today, but... Uh, in Psalm 57, I want you to see some progression. The first one, in verse 1, he talks about waiting on the Lord in his presence until the calamity passes. But in the following verses 2 through 6, he focuses on the warfare and what the enemy is doing. And it's not going to show up on the screen. But what's interesting is, actually, can you take that down? Sure. I'm going to tell the, uh, my, a little bit about my dream first, then I'll come back to that. Um, in the dream that I already talked about, there were the three R's, and the last one was worship, right? Maybe not, nod. Pretend like you're awake. Just give me some feeling. Okay. In the dream, I forgot worship. And then when the service was over, I forgot what was the third point? It was worship. When I woke up, I was laying there. I couldn't remember what the third point was. It was worship. Now, in a dream, rep repeated themes or repetition is highlighting something to you. And I believe the Lord is saying, don't forget worship. And when I woke up from the dream, and I feel like the Lord spoke that to me, I know we can worship in the way we treat our spouse, in the way we treat our kids. We can worship by how hard we work it in our job. We can worship with our hands. We can worship in our relationships. We can worship with our attitude. And I believe in all of that. But when I woke up from the dream, the sense was worship with your mouth. Sing songs. Sing songs of worship. And so in Psalm 57 has been highlighted to me for months. So the progression is the presence, which is the rest. Then the warfare. And then David ends with the worship. I want to read verses 7 through 11. My heart is steadfast, O God. My heart is steadfast. I will sing and give praise. Awake my glory. Awake lute and harp, that's musical instruments, I will awaken the dawn. He's saying, I'm going to get up before the sun does. I'm going to worship before I see the sunshine. When the sun goes over the east ridge, it's going to show up and I'm going to be worshiping with music and with songs. I'm going to wake that sunshine up. And I will praise you, O Lord, among the peoples. 
I will sing to you among the nations, for your mercy reaches unto the heavens and your truth unto the clouds. Be exalted. That means be lifted up above my problems, above my feelings, above my day, above whatever it is. God, you will be lifted up and you will be exalted above the heavens. Let your glory be above all the earth. I believe the Lord is saying, you need to come and dine with me. You need to worship before me. You need to go to YouTube and get some music and listen to it and worship with it. And you need to sing with your mouth and you need to declare with your mouth. And you need to believe in your heart and you need to wage the good warfare in this time above every feeling and above every emotion, above every circumstance. And some of you in this room would say, Daniel, I don't connect with God that way. And I understand that. Some people, it's easier for them to connect to God through the scriptures. And that's okay. But just because you connect with God through the scriptures doesn't mean you should neglect prayer. Some of you really connect with God through prayer, but you hardly ever pick up your Bible. You might read a devotional, and that's not a bad thing, but that's not the same thing. And I don't want you to feel bad about that. I'm just saying, some of you do not gravitate to the Bible, and that's okay. But just because it's not the way you're hardwired doesn't mean you don't need it. And there are some of you that really connect with God in worship. And there's some of you that when we sing these songs, you just want to get over and listen to Tim's amazing preaching. And I understand your desire for it to end so you can move on. But you need to learn how to worship. And you say, well, I don't feel anything. Well, I've got good news for you. It's not about your feelings. I don't get anything out of it. That's even better. Because it's not about you getting something out of it. Worship's not for you. If, you, if God hits you up in worship, just be happy. Live it up. But that's not why we worship. Do you know that when I, a lot of times when I'm lifting my hands, the lifting of the hands in the Hebrew context is the hand of blessing. So when you pray for somebody and you lay your hand on them, you are releasing blessing. When I lift my hands, I will bless the Lord at all times. But I don't like the song. It doesn't matter. It's not for you. I will bless the Lord. You look funny. I don't care. I will bless the Lord. Because the scriptures, the holy scriptures, say to lift your hands. It doesn't say if you're Pentecostal. It doesn't say if you're charismatic. It says to the people of God, you will lift up your voice, you will lift up your song, and you will bless the Lord. And, and I think that's the problem. We think it's all about us all the time. But I don't like that. Get over your feelings and do it as unto the Lord in obedience. Because when you confess with your mouth, maybe it will solve some mouth problems. Maybe it will solve some complaining problems. Maybe. I'm not saying. I mean, there's, there's hope for all of us. I, I, I feel really stirred up, but I need to land this thing. You guys want to stand up? <laughs> in this time and in this season, 
God has given you the answer. And he is calling you deeper than you've ever been. And I want to encourage you to not make it about your feelings. You will encounter him in the secret place. I love Glenn Sharon. He said something to the effect one time, we seek God until he finds us. Can you relate to that? When we seek God, it feels like we're walking blind in the dark. But when God shows up, it brings such peace and such clarity and such direction for our lives. And if you will take the time to press in, not just one day, not just one hour, not just one week, but consistently living a lifestyle of pressing in, you in this season will have peace, rest, joy, and you're going to be okay. You're going to be all right. And we're going to believe God's word that he's going to take care of us. Let's pray. Actually, wait, before we do that, if you are on the prayer team, please come to the front as I pray. And when I am done praying, if you need prayer for anything, whether it's something I mentioned, they will pray for you. They can agree with you for a loved one. Pray for a physical ailment. Maybe emotionally, you just need someone to just pray for you in a, that you would have the peace of God. If you, if you want to just come up after I'm done praying, you can get prayer. Father God, we lift up your name. We submit ourselves to you right now. We say yes to you no matter what. Not our will, but yours be done. And God, I pray that your word would be buried into our heart right now. So that whenever we find ourselves in a storm, I pray, Lord, that we would literally, this word would be like an anchor that keeps us from going all over the place. God, I release your peace and your presence over every person in this place. And we thank you for your word. And we ask even for greater clarity concerning the future. In Jesus' name, amen.